In late spring of 1971, two brothers, Colin and Leslie Robson, were playing in their garden. As they played and looked for things to throw, they began to dig in the dirt and found something that seemed both interesting and strange. The boys had dug up two small heads carved in stone, roughly the size of an orange or a tennis ball. The stone heads had flecks of greenish gray and glistened with quartz crystal. The heads seemed to be carved of local stone and had irregularly shaped features. Holes for the mouth and eyes, ridges for the nose, and they were not identical. Fascinated by the mysterious treasure they had found, they both decided to keep them. Little did they know all the strange things that would happen from then on. Hey friends, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, man. Hey, dude. Hey, pal. Hey, man. Looks like we're uh, it doesn't. No, it looks like we're back to the land of the uh, Therianthropes, if you will. I know, man. It's like we can't somehow. We're shapeshifters. Yeah, I mean, I think the light. I don't know if this is part of synchronicity, but somehow we end up accidentally staying in whatever topic it is that we've talked about before yeah. a little bit. You know. Well, I mean, I think we've said it before. It it really does like. For, for Woody and I, I mean, literally since we've started this podcast, it's it's like we we've gotten to the point where we just sort of follow wherever synch- these synchronicities kind of like lead us, you know. And it's always the most sort of happenstance, like unplanned thing. But it's like, you know, we'll be talking about. I mean, for example, like this, we we just had a a show on shapeshifters, which. Like we said then, that's just a primer. We'll, we're going to do more and get into the more of the specifics of the theory and throp. But then we kind of thought of, well, hey, let's do, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. We've been wanting to do the show on the Hexam Heads. Let's do this. Come to find out there's a lot of overlap, mm. a lot mm-hmm. of shapeshifter type stuff going on with this one too. So, you know, we just go down that rabbit trail. I know, man. Well, let's get into it, dude. Let's do it. All right. Like you said, this is something that we've talked about. I mean, honestly, like we have this growing list of potential topic ideas and we'll kind of just like read through them every couple of weeks and say, okay, well, oh man, I forgot about this one. Hey, we really need to do this one. And this has been one that's on that list from the, like early on, dude, first season, first early episodes. And we're just Mm -hmm. finally getting to it. And I'm super pumped about that i i mean it is one of those things where you know it kind of just the mystery of it all and just imagining being one of these kids and all the things that that surround these strange heads that they found so as we dive in let's just kind of go back to 1971 these two brothers colin and leslie robson which 
I continually mistaken for Robinson, but it is mm-hmm. actually Robson, were living in Hexham, England. Mm-hmm. They were kind of just, as we said in the beginning, just playing outside and stuff, digging around in the garden. You know, some accounts say that they were like looking for things to throw at each other. Who knows? Well, well, that that's what I read too, is actually they, the only reason that they were even digging up rocks were like, they were digging to get rocks to like toss at each other. Mm-hmm. So that was the only reason that they were even, <laughs> it was like real fast, like a game of like, you know. Hit, hit your brother, hit your brother with a rock or catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're digging around. They find this stone, they kind of pull it out. And all of a sudden they're just like, huh? And notice that these features are carved into this stone. Now, I don't, I mean, now being, a, you know, after this, having this podcast and stuff, I would think of it differently, but as a kid, I would just be like, oh man, look what I found. This is amazing. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. think it was, uh, you know, potentially, uh, I don't know, bad or evil. Oh, yeah. Since, you know, I would just kind of be like, oh man, this is a cool artifact, Indiana Jones style, you know? Yeah. Well, the, well they, they thought it was cool. I mean, I, I don't think they initially even thought that it was anything weird until, you know, yeah, what followed. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like us up in our direct, like where we live, and you know, Indian stuff. Yeah, man, you can find like arrowheads and stuff quite often, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't think twice about that. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I mean, what we've learned from the Charunga Stone, Charunga, season two, episode twenty-eight, the Charunga Stone, Charunga. It may not always be a good idea. Yeah, um, might be a better idea to just kind of look. Leave things where they are. <laughs> well, and also to that, you know, Woody and I both being kids growing up in the 80s and stuff, like much of you are, you know, I, I feel like that was something that was like really sort of embedded in like in popular culture. Like, you know, you had like poltergeist. They were like building the pool on top of a Indian burial yeah, ground or yeah. pet cemetery or mm. like all these these like sort of cursed kind of like artifacts and like and the curses that they would sort of the, the things that would have Turn happened. Up almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like I don't know. Are we are we sort of conditioned to feel that way or is there actual truth to it, you know? Yeah. Well let's I mean, talk about for the this case. Yeah. Well let's let's not get into don't bury the lead here. Let's talk mm-hmm. about these let's get some descriptives on these heads here. So the heads are about the size of a tennis ball or like an orange mm-hmm. and could easily fit in the palm of either the boy's hands. They were mostly round, but had like these human facial features that had been like carved into them. Mm -hmm. One of the heads looks more like a masculine face and the stone that it was carved from was the greenish gray stone with like the flecks of the crystal or the quartz crystals. quartz, yeah. And it kind of gave it a sort of like shimmery uh, Mm -hmm. appearance. The other head was more female-like and is even described to be similar to, like, a witch. Yeah, or a hag. Or like a hag, yeah. In the carvings of her head, there were remnants of yellow and red coloring. Yeah, and and they they would call, I mean, like Woody said, they they would call them the boy or the girl. They got super creative. Anytime we refer to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very creative. So, you know, again, like I said, they're excited about this. They think they're, they just uncovered treasure at the very least as a kid, mm-hmm. not in 1971, but like me as a kid, like I said, I would have been like, oh my gosh, man, 
Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? We can like, maybe there's a museum. Maybe I can call the uh, Tyler's favorite. Maybe I can call the... Uh, Don't do it. What are they called? Smithsonian. Do not call them. Maybe I can get the Smithsonian over here. Never call the Smithsonian. <laughs> so then they take him inside. And that's just the beginning. They think, oh, man, this is cool. And, you know, I imagine that they just kind of like put them up on their shelves. You know, I'm looking around the, the old studio here and all the artifacts that, you know, we have from mm-hmm. the toys from our childhood and VHS tapes and books and comics and all that stuff. You know, I imagine doing the same kind of thing. You just place that cool item on the yeah. shelf and whatever. Well, then Yeah, I mean, and, and in your case, it's like, you know, place go. that cool item on the shelf and just take that artwork that Tyler gave you as a gift and just throw it, it on the on ground. The table. No, just put it on a table. Every it, time I come over, my artwork is on not, not, the ground. No, just one of them. It's not on the ground even. Stop. So right whenever they brought it into the house mm-hmm. is kind of when things started happening that were super strange, super weird. Yeah. Poltergeist-like activity began to occur within the home and it was almost impossible for it not to just seem like this has to be due to these heads. Like, listen to this. The heads would sometimes roll around or even end up being thrown across the room at mm. weird times of the day and at night. They also noticed that sometimes the heads seemed to rotate of their own accord. Like they would right. be, you know, situated on a shelf, for example, like kind of facing and looking towards the left. And, you know, later on in the day, they're looking in the opposite direction. No one's been home. No one's touched them. That's just mm-hmm. the way they're looking. And also strange things kind of revolved around other members of the family. Like they had two sisters and they found like shards of glass in their beds the parents started having like these crazy headaches and also, and here's one that's like super interesting. There was also this like really weird, there was this really strange glow that emanated oh, from the patch of garden where the heads had been found. Yeah, they, basically this bush would would kind of pop up right around the area. Because I think it was after they found the head, like yeah. a good while after. But right where they dug up the heads, this sort of flower bush would kind of grow. And, you know, I don't know the, the amount of time, but apparently they would say, like, at night, it it would it was literally, like, self-illuminated. Like, the petals of the flowers would glow. Man. I mean, other stuff started being thrown around the house, too, like bottles and just sort of your typical poltergeist activity. Somewhat, I, I won't say unrelated to the heads, but just not involving the heads, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Even the, the Robson's neighbors, a family with the last name Dodd, were affected. You know, the activity itself, the poltergeist activity was less consistent, but there were some similarities. Sometimes, though, like the Dodd's children's hair would just be like yeah, right. pooled mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Terrifying. Yeah. But even scarier than like getting your hair pulled in the middle of the night is what happened to Ellen Dodd, the mom of the neighbor. I mean, the neighbor... Ellen Dodd's the mom over at the neighbor's house, okay? Mm-hmm. Her and her daughter were kind of up late one evening when all of a sudden they both witnessed a half-man, quote, half-beast, entering the room. You know, obviously they 
were panicked. They screamed, but the creature didn't... Basically, the creature seemed like kind of indifferent to them and just left the room. And they could hear it kind of going down the stairs. They described it as if on hind legs. Later on, they went downstairs. They found that the front door was open. Mm -hmm. And things were kind of like rummaged around as if the creature had been looking for something. And, and this is this is like the goat man, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Which she would say, uh, and I quote, half human, half sheep-like. That's how she sort of explained this thing. Man. Yeah. And I, and I think she did, there's sort of some discrepancy between her saying it was like, I think originally it was on its hind legs and then like as it walked out the room, like it went, down, back down on all fours or or the opposite of that. It's sort of, it's a little murky, but I mean, even that alone is like sort of an interesting little little detail though. Yeah, some sort of like, uh, oof, it's weird. So here we are. Yeah. Now we've got these heads that they found. There's mm-hmm. all this crazy, weird poltergeist-like activity that's happening that never occurred before. Everything yes. from these heads doing things on their own, bottles being thrown, hair being pulled, and now we've got a dadgum shape-shifting entity that's seemingly, in my opinion, after reading that report, looking for these yeah. items, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that I, I feel like that's like a big, sort of a, a big thing that may, a lot of times is sort of looked over is the fact that like none of the neighbors, none of the Robson family, none of them had ever had any sort of weird paranormal anything. Um, in their houses, no hauntings. Because I think a lot of people say, well, or at least from, you know, some of the discourse online, you see that, like, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this person had two young daughters, so apparently apparently it was like, you know, poltergeist activity, and it was probably there before, and, and, you know, they just sort of gave it a face by finding these, like, little heads. And, like, I was actually thinking about this the other day, just how... And again, going back to us growing up in the 80s, just how like sort of commonplace it is to just be to look at something and be like, oh, well, there's like and not always a little girl, but mostly a, a young girl, like, you know, prepubescent mm. going into puberty. It, it's like that just became like such the common thing to be like, oh, it's just like poltergeist activity. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of thinking that like much like we were sort of conditioned to think everything was built on a an Indian burial ground. I, I kind of think that, like, I don't know how much I believe that anymore. I feel like the poltergeist thing, I don't know, it's just kind of a way to sort of science it up, when in reality, you know, it's like, I mean, yeah, you got a 50-50 chance whether there's going to be, like, a little boy or a little girl in there. So it's like, I don't know. It, it, to me, it just, it, it feels sort of like, Little girls have got like the the bad end of the stick for yeah, years. Yeah, kind of. I think, and I remember. I, I swear, I remember reading this in uh, not Passport to Magonia. Well, maybe, but uh, certainly in um, where the footprints end. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that correlation, and I think it's just like uh, there's a larger kind of yeah. I don't know reporting sort of like percentage right? like there, yeah, a larger percentage of the reports of poltergeist activity do sort of revolve around that. Um, yeah, but I mean. I think it's also worth noting that, like, okay, if you look at that, like, I mean, especially for you and I, like, we have kids, and, 
you know, who would be the demographic that would like, if something did happen, if they did experience something scary, who's going to be the first one that's going to come running and like tell you about it? It's going to be a little girl. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I have two girls, so <laughs> I mean, well, that's all kids, I know. Little kids in general, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. That is I, interesting. I mean, I wonder, I know that there are, and I just didn't dive into it because I saw some, you know, something about it. There are like theories and some interesting, I think, writings from some of these paranormal researchers and stuff mm-hmm. that, that kind of study that correlation mm-hmm. and have theories behind why. So I think that'd yeah. be something cool to dive into sometime for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's it, it can even be linked into like Jewish mysticism and what they refer to as like the, the menstruum, which is like this sort of like feminine like energy, you know, that like, only women have and like you know i mean it's sort of an ancient way of an archaic way of looking at things but like i think that's part of the reason that they say that like you know women like their cycles will link up and like it's like all tied into like that and it's like the earth's like magnetics and like the moon and like you know it's like they're sort of tied to this sort of divine like power if you will so like i think i think that's a lot of times like that is sort of some of the correlation with like the poltergeist stuff is like, mm. you know, woman's like, or a, a girl's going into puberty and it's like that sort of change is taking place. And like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. It but. is interesting. It's also interesting. I know we're kind of like veering off a little bit here, but we sure it, it is interesting to me too, though, man, that like, if you think about it in those terms, you know, like throughout history, it's like you've got in like traditional sort of Christianity and stuff, Anyone that holds like any sort of power is male. Right. And then you've got like anybody that's evil, which is now we've got poltergeist activity happening. It's like mm. everything everything bad points to the girls. Everything yeah, good that's is what available I'm saying. to the guys. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. lame. Yeah, I mean and and that's exactly what I was thinking the other day of like, man, like is this like sort of cultural conditioning, you know? Like mm. and trust me, I'm the last person that's like you know, woke, quote unquote woke or whatever. But like, I, yeah, I was thinking about that, you know, as a father of two little girls, like, it's sort of like, well, how long has this been sort Mm -hmm. of the, the going consensus with a lot of these things? And, and also like, where did it come from? Like, was it tied into like religion or? And you can probably help me out with this, dude. I remember hearing something when I was little and I don't, know if it is truly biblical or if it's just something that my mom was saying or mm-hmm. my dad. You know, like, I, I remember reading something somewhere or hearing something where it was like, you know, you hear a lot about, like, a heavenly father, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, somebody's, like, theory was that, like, you don't hear about a heavenly mother because her name is so sacred that, like, mm-hmm. even to speak it could destroy you kind of thing. Um. Well, a lot of that was, like, like the name of God with like, um, yeah. God, not Yeshua. But I mean, like uh, even to like write it down. So in other words, like, yeah, even just to say the the word God and you know Jehovah and all these things, it, it, you know, it's written down. Like but the Elohim, like, and stuff. it was like, and I don't know if it was like a book I read. I, I don't know where it came from, but basically that it was just like you can't even write it. We don't even know. It's not even mentioned because mm-hmm. that's how like. So, so then, like, my I'm saying all that to say this that, like, maybe 
in fact, like, although it seems as though us dudes have a lot of power and stuff, maybe truly like there's, because I mean, God, man, if you really think about it in terms of even just biologically, women mm-hmm. do have a lot of power. I mean, like our sort of contribution to <clears throat> the creation of life is, is pretty minuscule. And I mean, we can open say microscopic, jars. but um, what now? I mean, we can open pickle jars. So. Yeah, we can open pickle jars. <laughs> but like, um, God. Anyway, I don't know. It's just interesting. So maybe in other words, those bad entities are targeting mm-hmm. the females uh, for a reason. Well, and again, not to like continue to drive this boat away from the dock, but I think uh, I think what you're talking about, like with the, you can't even write the name of God. I feel like that's like super, like early, early, like Jewish, something tied with that, you know, and, and it's, it's it's kind of linked with you know writing the the name of God on like the golem, and that was the thing that that that's what like gave him life and brought him to mm-hmm. life. I do know that like there is I've heard this before this sort of theory that like basically like the word of God or the name of God is the thing that like created creation. So like you know for us looking on to, into the sort of paranormal side of this is like. Well, maybe it wasn't like the the name per se, but it was like the name and the sound that your voice made when you spoke the name of God, like the original, like mm-hmm. uh, otherwise like, known uh, as a password. <laughs> yeah, hey yeah. man, I'm yeah. serious here. Yeah, well, well, and also, I mean, it's like you know, then you get into like the sound, and it's like okay, well, now we're getting into like the pyramids or Coral Castle or which, by the way, and again, I'm. Just now, I'm full speed away from the dock, but I've gotten into this new thing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into it, but it's called like Tartaria, marijuana, in the mud flood, <laughs> reefer madness. Um, but it's um, it's this crazy, this crazy thing, huh? So, sorry, man. I, I go ahead. Sorry, it's just to uh, me, it was just so funny. It's just like, hey, man, I got, I've gotten into this new thing. It's called <laughs> marijuana. It's called marijuana. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, no, it's it's like it's this sort of concept that like history is not really as we we think it is. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is tied into this idea that that all these ancient civilizations that we know today, even like the Pumapunku and like Chichen Itza and Gobleki or Gobekli Tepe, these are all these ancient ancient archaeological sites, and they're finding that like, oh wait a minute. These things were built on top of other mm-hmm. sites that happened, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of years even before yeah. that. But anyway, all that to say is like you start looking into like the earliest, earliest sort of uh, cultures and stuff, it's like Mesopotamia and like the Sumerians and and like you know onto the like Egyptians and stuff. And it's crazy this this thing because you start noticing like within all cultures all over, like whether it's South America, whether it's Egypt, whether it's all over these places, uh, you start seeing that like a lot of times they're like holding this little bag or like a box with like a handle. And then they're always seen holding a pine cone, which a lot of people, and I'm Where one are you of these seeing this now? Where am I supposed to see this? Oh, it's all, it's, it's literally all across the globe. You can no, find no, like. But I mean, what, what, what is it on? These are just artifacts or like it's a... No, well, it's like it's uh, like sculptures or okay, like okay. reliefs or even like petroglyphs or hieroglyphics. It's in like all these things. And okay. they're always 
like the king or whatever, or like I guess the pharaoh technically in Egypt, they're always seen holding this like little bag in one hand and then holding this like this weird sort of pine comb in the other. And I've heard like, I think Terrence McKenna, he's like a big, big guy that gets into like the power of like psilocybin and mushrooms and stuff. You know, he talks about, and it links into ayahuasca and like seeing everything in these like sort of like hexagrams and like mm. everything, like those patterns. And yeah. if you look at like a pine comb, it's like, you know, is that the same thing? And Dude, I don't know. Just, there's this incredible book, man, that, that reminds me of where it's just like the patterns of nature or something. I don't mm. think that that's the title of it, but it goes into like even just like strip away all the outside of the box stuff that you just kind of talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even just those patterns, man, it's just insane. Like some of the stuff, yeah. like mathematical patterns. Right, yeah. And and like equations, dude, inside of these things like even if just like i mean and symmetry and stuff it's 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 incredible like even just like cut a bell pepper in half type thing you know i yeah. mean just it's just mind-blowing and i, well, love, and, I do and, love and, that concept dude and I, i'm gonna tell you right now and this is i'm giving you an assignment okay you don't really do too well with assignments <laughs> you know if you remember back to when i was like hey man make a playlist of summer songs and then you're like anyways number one red hot chili peppers and i'm like That's a band, bro. That's not a song. Anyway, not so good with assignments. That's okay. We understand. You know, everybody does things differently. We're not making fun of you. We're, you know, we're supportive here Mm -hmm. on our our show. What I'm saying is here's your assignment. We, and this is an announcement too, to everybody listening. And if you want to listen, then you got to be a part of the Patreon because you're going to do a Patreon episode. I don't care if it's five hours long. About the mud flood stuff, dude. Because I'm super dude. interested in it, but I don't even want to look into it because I'm charging you with that yeah. quest, and you're going to deliver it to me because I love those kind of episodes, man. Yeah. Well, is that, is that can we agree on that? that? We're putting it out there in the universe. People are listening. Our patrons are listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. You're in charge. Well, you. uh, my answer is y- wait for it. My answer is yes and no. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The reason why is because this this idea is so sort of all-encompassing like there's so much to it that i'm actually trying to get well no no no. (laughs) well yeah i am overwhelmed a little bit but i i am actually in the process of reaching out to this guy who has basically written a book about it and having him on so okay well yeah there you go yeah and honestly i think that it's i think that it's so interesting that I, i i don't think it needs to be only on the patreon maybe we have like a you know, yeah, sort of you're a right, you're right. This round is inter- table. This is how interesting it is. It's so interesting that on an episode where we're doing <laughs> seemingly nothing about it, we ended yeah. up bringing it up, and we also did last week. But here's the thing. There is a connection, and hopefully if I remember, we'll get back to it, but we got a lot to cover. So let me just... After these messages, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. All right, man. And this is where it's so funny, man. And uh, look, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, here's the thing. If you're planning on having kids, if you're Mm -hmm. a parent currently, you'll kind of understand what I'm saying here. This is almost a testament (laughs) to why it's important to understand what the beep your kids are bringing into your house. Because just like any good parent, they started figuring things out like, man, okay, let's try to figure this out. Nothing happened before. Nothing in the house was moving. Yep. No peep, nobody was grabbing my hair in the middle of the night. Yeah. Ouch, ouch, you're on my hair, just the tip. <laughs> but now all this stuff is happening. When did this start? Well, they were they basically chalked it up to these heads. Yeah. Now, this is where these folks differ from me. I think my my immediate reaction would be just put them in the trash and in the garbage. You guys will get it. See, but, I couldn't. Yeah, I would, well, and there's I say that, and there's like this little thread of because that was kind of their initial reaction, but then it's like they had this like afterthought that was like, you know, I think we should get someone to look at this, somebody with some kind of expertise. And mm-hmm. so, especially since you know things are happening with their neighbors and all this, they thought, well, if we give them, a, if we if we throw them in the trash and someone else finds them, then essentially bad's going to happen to them. So that, you know, they're nice people, mm-hmm. and so they. Found this doctor. Her name's Doctor Anne Ross. Yeah, yeah. She's basically uh, w- was in the area. She was an expert in Celtic artifacts. Mm. She, I think this was back in like 1968. Uh, she would go on to write a book called Pelgan. Or jeez, Pelgan <laughs> Pelican. She wrote Pagan a book about Celtic, Pelicans. Pagan Celtic Britain studies in iconography and tradition. And then Druids, Preachers of Immortality. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so she's like a, an actual scholar. Mm-hmm. You know, like these are all, these are all books that, that, you know, you would find in, in universities and stuff. Yeah, very well-respected like, historian. Yeah, she, she would also go on to, uh, well, well bef- before we go to that, I just want to clarify. Like, I guess like, I guess the, the original family, Colin and Les- Leslie Robson. The kids. I guess... It, it sort of created a buzz around the area. And so, 
you know, people started talking and it was like, well, we, we had these, these two little heads and like, you know, if you, if you just look at it logically, it's like the, you know, all these crazy things started happening only when we dug up the heads, much like the Charunga. Charunga! Mm-hmm. Um, and so the buzz happened and then I th- that's how Dr. Ann Ross was basically yeah. sort of brought in. Yeah, because I think like there's like, and we'll definitely put it up on our on our uh, Instagram page. There's like a newspaper clip with these two kids mm-hmm. with their cute little like British haircuts holding <laughs> up one of these heads, and then it's like, hmm, and the title of the article is something like "Family Fear: Another Night of Terror." And so I think, yeah, I think yeah. Right, I think like Dr. Ann Ross kind of saw this. And what's interesting here too, man, before we kind of start to talk about the things that happened to her, not as well mm-hmm. that surprise, is she was a big researcher into this thing called the cult of the head. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what the heck that was. And so I looked into it. So there's this quote from one of her books that says, the cult of the human head constitutes a persistent theme throughout all aspects of Celtic life spiritual and temporal and the symbol of the severed head may be regarded as the most typical and universal of their religious uh, attitudes Hmm. she goes on to say like head hunting as a proof of prowess and the the taking of the head as the seat or i'm sorry they thought of the head as the seat of the soul and the source of spiritual potency and this kind of is a is a theme that's actually quite popular throughout you know the dawn of the historical period actually and you know there are places in ireland and other sort of like celtic areas where you would find these like uh either head carvings or sometimes dude even like people's heads sort of used inside of okay so imagine like a like a stone wall Mm -hmm. where they cut like a hole into it or or maybe they use like a cement of some sort to make a wall and then there's like a human skull like in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. You know, throughout Europe in different castles and, and that kind of thing. They basically say like, look, the archaeological and sort of artistic evidence for this cult of the head is kind of too extensive to kind of catalog real briefly. But there are, for example areas of like southern Gaul and uh, where like 15 male skulls were found several of them still bearing the marks of the spikes with which they had been fixed for display Mm. I mean that sounds like a Vlad the Impaler type yeah right Um, in Etremont in province a Celtic tribe called the Sali or Saluvi constructed a shrine at which when the Romans routed the tribe in around 125 BC they found assorted statues, one pillar displaying a mouthless face with closed eyes. And a lot of like human head remains and all mm-hmm. this other stuff around it. Dr. Ross also in her uh, pagan Celtic Britain divided the, there's different categories of these sort of like shrines. Okay, there's some with like multiple heads. There's some with like, they, that she called horned heads. There's heads without attributes, you know, that are potentially portraying like deities and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's one mm-hmm. called the Gorgon heads. And despite the misuse of this classical name Gorgon, these heads appear to be similar to green man images. 
Ooh, see, all roads lead to Pan. That's that's what Pan is. And some of them, including one that I found, man, really kind of look like an alien head. Yeah, yeah, they kind of they kind of do. I mean, I don't. And again, I don't know if that's like a sort of a pareidolia effect where mm-hmm. we're just like ah, looking. Dude, I don't know, man. Hold on, I'm gonna. But it is pretty. Check this out, bro. Pretty interesting. I'm gonna show you a picture. Oh, you're saying yeah. one that's. Not, oh, dude. not one of the hexam heads. What the? <laughs> You're saying like another head? Oh yeah. Now um, take a look at this, dude. Tell me what shape that look. I'm just, you think that's yeah. pareidolia? No, 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 no. No, I thought you were talking about the hexam heads. Oh no, uh, but no, that's definitely. Dude, come well, on, man. Honestly, though, dude, and I don't know. Maybe it's the sort of the eye pupil shape. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of looks sort of reptilian a little. Mm. A little too, which, you know, a lot of people say Maybe. that, like, that's tied into the Egyptians and stuff. There were a right, lot of, so, like, sort of reptilian, like, themed, like, looks, mm. you know, about them. The so, early pharaohs. In short, like, the head was not only a prized sort of heroic trophy, but also a profoundly religious symbol, mm. sometimes representative of a deity and generally suggestive of sort of supernatural wisdom and power. So, that is what kind of got her interested in these little bitty, very strange-looking heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did she know that by bringing them into her house, mm-hmm. more strange things were going to occur. Yes, and, and let me also say again that this lady is like a full-on, like, older, you know, scholar. Like, she, as far as what I've read, she was not prone to, like, even though she was sort of the expert on all this stuff, she wasn't prone to like, you know, believe superstitions. She was very sort of straight laced scholar, like only the facts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that like she started witnessing or, or having these encounters, you know, even add to the weirdness. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, dude, for sure, man. It's always like that kind of stuff that always, that we find in these kind of accounts, man, that kind of separate us from just being like the, podcast version of the national Enquirer. Um, yeah right, right it's like these threads of people that are highly respected academics or scientists or you know whatever mm-hmm. that these things happen to now i'm not saying like the late because she died in 2012 i believe but the late dr ann ross didn't just make it up i'm just saying that the fact that someone that's well-respected has never had anything right. like this, you know, besides in their past. I mean, in stark contrast, I think of the lady who is literally on TikTok just babbling and making up words, but also including real Spanish and saying that she communicates with aliens. Oh, yeah. Right. In stark contrast to that, you've got Dr. Ann Ross who, you know, is just kind of like, hey, this happened. It's weird. Boom. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... One night, after getting the heads, Dr. Ross also saw a part animal, part man creature. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to quote like her exact account. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. She said, it was about six feet high, slightly stooping, and it was black against the white door. And it was half animal and half man. The upper part, I would have said, was a wolf. And the lower part was human. 
Mm. And it was covered with a kind of black, very dark fur. I went out and just saw it clearly, and then it disappeared. Something made me run after it. A thing I wouldn't normally have done, but I felt compelled to run after it. I got out of bed, and I ran. And I could hear it going down the stairs. Then it disappeared towards the back of the house. Yeah. I think she said she was... It was heading in the direction of, like, the kitchen, but then when she got there, it was it was gone. I mean, even a shapeshifter needs a midnight snack, you know? I mean... <laughs> so what's blame. crazy, too, is, like, that her daughter mentioned days after that, having seen a werewolf-like creature on the stairs that vanished down the corridor. Again, it seems like whatever it is, this creature, gosh, in a way, it kind of sounds awfully like the, uh, the puka. Yeah, it kind of does. You know, this it seems like this entity, this creature, this whatever is looking for something. The other thing that, that is interesting about when it was in Dr. Ann Ross's sort of possession is same kind of thing. Her daughters would would have the experience of like their hair being pulled. I even found I even found another place where it said that if they were in the room of like a television, you know, and back mm-hmm. then you had like four channels and you know, that was it. Yeah. But they said that if they were in the room, it would almost seem like the TV was like like turning to like a different frequency, like in between channels almost. Mm. Like it was trying to like communicate. And, you know, I don't know if that's sort of conjecture, but that's pretty interesting. It, it was also said that she, she would experience it like, you know, she would be sitting, uh, I guess, you know, working or typing or whatever. And she would have these like intensely like cold sort of like like the the temperature would just totally drop where she was like in the room that she was in and then another thing is the door would just like it's pretty obnoxious when you think about it but like just imagine you're sitting there like working or or whatever and like Mm -hmm. your door just comes like it's like somebody kicked the door open and this would just happen and of course nobody would be there it's not hard for us to imagine because, again, we have children. And I that's mean, yeah, that's how true. they enter a room. Yeah. Um, but, dude, I mean, uh, imagine like at night you're laying oh in God. bed and all of a sudden. Yeah, man. Your door rips open and nobody's there. Yeah, no. Or you're laying uh, there or you're. I, I read another thing where she was like taking a. Uh, apparently, I think she was taking care of her, her father, who was also a doctor, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Richard Feacham. And he was ill in bed. And as. She was taking the meal up to him. The werewolf standing on the stairs. Ugh. Another time, a lot of the family members, including like I think her son, reported that they would just see a dark figure all around the yeah, house. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The cats in the house would, at odd times, just arch their backs as, as if they saw something that the humans didn't and hiss. I mean, we've talked about it before. Those cats are mm. tuned in. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, just more poltergeist activity like the husband, um, Paul Ross, like described like one night they were eating fa- uh, dinner together and they just hear something heavy drop in the hallway. Mm, and yep. I think just like the Robsons, it was kind of like, look, enough's enough. Something's going on here. She yeah. really just felt like it had this like wicked sort of radiant energy coming from it or coming from them. And that perhaps these heads were originally part of this Celtic sort of... Um, she just yeah. felt like these things 
needed to leave her house. I, I do think it's interesting that, like, all within the same area, you would have, like, pretty much the one person on the planet who would know the most about this stuff. Like, being able to, to take these in her possession. I, I just think that's really pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. out of any of these sort of Celtic things, like, you know, she was kind of like the the expert, you know, in like the early pagan Celtic Britain. Yeah. So, like, I, I find it interesting that, like, you know, she she already lived in the area and it was sort of synchronicity in a way. Yeah, for sure. Man. And so I don't, it, it's kind of murky, uh, the timeline from when, when after it, it leaves Dr. Ann Ross, I feel mm-hmm. like the timeline's a little scattered. Like all of my sources are kind of saying sort of different things. Yeah. Uh, I think basically after that they go to, so she was at the University of Southampton. Southampton, that's it. Yeah. So she took upon herself to uh, take these heads into her house. huh? So even whenever they were there, basically another professor, I don't know if you want me to dive into this part, but this is when things start to look or start to seem, I think, well, if you're a skeptic already, this is when it starts to kind of be like, Hmm, what's going on here? And then it gets mm-hmm. even crazier. So yeah. there was this chemist there, Professor Hod- Hodgson, who was a chemist at the Southampton University that Dr. Ross was a part of. I'm not sure if she was or how she was associated with it. But this is now in 1972. And he kind of performed a uh, like a chemical test on them. And mm-hmm. I actually have, let me see here. I have like the original like printing of the report. And it says... It's weird because the the report's titled Report on Heads 4 and 5 from Hexham. And it says, General Observations. The material from which the heads have been... Now, keep in mind, this is literally from his report. Mm-hmm. Okay? The material from which the heads have been fashioned consists of uniformly large grains of quartz, 2 millimeter diameter on average, set in a very fine-grained matrix. The grains are extremely well-rounded and polished with no indication of partial solution or of secondary growth. There are numerous sandstones belonging to the upper Carboniferous succession which outcrop in the Hexham district, but none of them bear any similarity to the material from which these heads have been formed. Indeed, the material is unlike any natural sandstone. So then that's the that was the general observation section. And then there's a specific observation that says uh, in a natural sandstone, there is invariably a predominance of grains of a particular diameter, but also with a fairer proportion of grains of greater and lesser diameters. On analysis, such a sandstone provides a cumulative provides a cumulative with one prominent peak. Hmm. I, I think this is getting a little too little. little uh, let's just jump to the conclusions here. He says mm-hmm. the material from which the heads have been formed is an artificial cement. The sand grains in it are probably derived from the seashore where wave action sorts out material to a very uniform size and produces a high degree of rounding and polishing. There are often well-rounded calcareous fragments from seashells. In such deposit, though, without disaggregation, it would not be possible to conform this point in the case of the hexam heads. If the heads are of modern origin, no doubt the quartz grains come from builder's sand. If they are of ancient origin, presumably some enterprising Hexham Britain 
struggling through the swamps of the Tyne Valley, may have visited the seaside and have come back with a satchel of sand, which he subsequently mixed with ground-up limestone and water. There is an adequate local supply of limestone. Uh, Mm -hmm. No further comment regarding the polished surface of the heads beyond those made by Professor Hodson needs be added. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting because this is the beginning of, again, when it starts to seem like, hey, you know, these heads potentially... Well, the, the problem was that the heads couldn't be dated with radiocarbon because they had no organic parts or traces. So although the stone was local to Hexham, according to this chemist, it seems like they were made of some sort of modern, potentially, uh, cement. Yeah, well, well, it's weird because there's... So here's one thing about these heads that, you know, after they would leave Dr. Ann Ross, they would... They were held in the Newcastle Museum of Antiquities for a while. And an archaeologist and curator uh, named Roger Mickett and David Smith, I think they were the ones who kind of, and and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there was like a a sort of a motive here, but they were the ones who like from the get-go were sort of like, yeah, these are fake. Let's not worry about them. And there's a guy actually by the name of Paul Screeton who would write a pamphlet back in 1981 called Tales of the Hexham Heads. Uh, it's like a 20-page pamphlet. But then in 2012, write a full book. It's on Amazon called The Quest for the Hexham Heads. And he would say in his book that Mickett would describe them as just just plain old archaeological material, which is a bit like describing the Shroud of Turin as just a blanket. Hmm. I just, I love that quote. But, yeah. uh, but like... You could even see, like, there's a bunch of photos of this uh, this Roger Mickett guy, and he's, like, taking pictures, like, holding him up, like, rolling his eyes or kind of, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, kind of making a joke of it. But then they would sort of be passed back and forth to all these other different places, uh, these different universities and museums and stuff. And, like, that was the thing that was weird is, like, some people would would do testing and it would say, oh, well, there's, there's nothing modern about this. It, it's not... It's not molded, you know, like a something made out of like a cement or anything like that. But which I mean, even if it was like some type of cement, I mean, you know, the early Greeks, you know, were capable of creating like a cement type mm. mixture. So it doesn't mean it's necessarily modern. But this guy was saying that they were carved, but then these other people are saying, oh, well, they're, they're it's just like cast or in like a mold. It's interesting so, too. Like at the end of that guy's report. Although he says, like, hey, it's formed an artif- by an artificial cement, later he, you know, he kind of makes sure to note that, like, you know, if it um, wasn't by some modern person, like currently, then, right. you know, then the possibility does exist that it could have been someone like ancient uh, who got some sand from, you know, the coast and made these, you know, with some limestone that, that was in the area. So they could still, he didn't really like draw a conclusion. This was like, mm, these things are, you know, worthless or anything. Mm-hmm. Let's get into Des. our guy, Des. Yeah. yeah. We will return after these messages.
Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. So if that wasn't enough to kind of make you go, well, I don't know, guys. Mm-hmm. I think we need to talk about Des Craigie. Yeah. Take it away. <laughs> so, so... As the 70s would continue on, there was a man named Desmond Craigie or Des Craigie who basically came out and said he was the creator of the heads. He said that he made them back in 1956 for his daughter uh, while he was actually living in the house where the Robsons you know, found the heads and where they mm-hmm. l- would live later. Apparently, his story is he actually made three heads and there was like a third head uh, which would become damaged and, you know, be thrown away. But I guess his whole story is like he worked for this company that dealt in concrete. And I, I guess like his daughter on the way to work or, or something. I don't, it's a little it's a little cheesy in a way to me. It's like apparently he says his daughter was asking like what he did. And so he was like, well, let me show you. And he he went and he, he made these heads. And hey, hey man. That's not cheesy. You know, my kids ask me what I do, and well, I was like, I, I framed them a, a, a an insurance policy on their wall. Is that weird? No, 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 no. dude. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do I this stuff too. I'm yeah. just saying, like, if you're if it you're going to come really, out and like tape yeah. credit for these heads, it's sort of like it seems real convenient. Um, mm. Especially, it's like it just seems like poor writing if it were like a <laughs> yeah, story. right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like your daughter was asking what I did for a living. So I decided to carve some heads out of stone. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess I think he would be the one to kind of you know publicly start shedding a little bit of doubt on yeah. it with some people. Which which the thing is is like you know it was like sort of researched later, and even Desmond Craigie he like made these other replicas to to demonstrate how he. You know, basically how he did it. And, you know, these were supposedly like exactly like it. But then, you know, once they were taken in, it was like, no, these these aren't even close to the hexam heads. Just just in the in the creation. Like yeah. Like the whether it's carving or molding, it's like these are two completely different things. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe he got he got a lucky batch of sandstone and like it he was able to make the hexam heads. The one thing that I do think um, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not dismissing this guy entirely. Yeah. But I do think that it's interesting that these heads have like little nubs for like a neck. Um, and if you look at like old, ba- the reason I say that is because like if you look at like old baby dolls, baby dolls, like baby dolls, baby dolls, uh, like uh, you know the vintage ones, it, you would have like a cloth body mm-hmm. filled with cotton, and, and like, then the head have fit into the. Yeah, the neck would like basically fit in. So it's like, and that's the one thing if you look at a lot of this, like, you know, I'm a big fan of like the crystal skulls mm-hmm. and a lot of those uh, sort of skull type artifacts, like you never really see a neck. So I feel like with the, and I could be, may, I, I don't, I don't totally. No, but that's a good point, dude. That no. like the reason why they had those necks was instead of it just like you would have all these like, like, okay, by the time Barbies came around and they were plastic, it was easy mm-hmm. To right. change out their clothes and all this kind of stuff, I guess. Same with like old school, old school GI Joes, right? Well, oh, yeah. like 
the old baby dolls that you're talking about, like you just like me like, well, I don't feel like that outfit. I'll take the porcelain head, which is the most valuable part. Yeah, right. And place mm-hmm. it on this other outfit. And doing so, like you basically, you're inserting the head. Uh, I mean, you're like the neck goes into like the whole of the body. Did we just exp- did we just explain how babies are made on here? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, my thing though is I don't know, and obviously Dr. Ann Ross would know this, but I don't know if if the necks being included on these heads were commonplace for like these ancient Celtic other you know these other Celtic mm-hmm. heads that she's she's sort of a the professional with. I don't know if that was that was a common thing to have like a neck, but to me. I, to me, that was like that. It just it, it is a little weird, and it's something that you just wouldn't think would be would be there unless there's like a yeah. another reason, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like that, and like I said, I don't totally believe this guy, but I'm not throwing out yeah. everything that he says. But I I feel like that's that may be his the most sort of I don't know believable part of. Of his, because yeah. uh, I don't know if you said this yet, but I mean, basically, the reason why they're even in that garden is that he, you know, like you said, his daughter didn't really care for him after mm-hmm. he made him. I mean, they are kind of weird looking. So, yeah, here's what I don't understand: like he didn't live at that address, right? Uh, no, he did live there uh, a okay. long, long time ago, like in the and 50s. Then, uh, yeah, in the fifties, and then he would move, and then I guess his dad would rent was renting maybe from him it's a little i didn't i didn't know that part okay that's what my question was but essentially like the daughter didn't like him buried him in the dirt fast forward 20 years or so these kids like you know unearth them well well and that that's the thing too so him and his daughter lived in the house they moved out i guess he still owned the house and his dad rented the house from him uh, up until the year before the robsons moved in so there, I mean, there is like connectivity, but, but I mean, I'm with you. Like it, I don't know. It's just, it's like, yeah. I mean, what are the like, odds of that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think, well, let me pose a different question. What, mm-hmm. cause the answer to that is, well, I mean, the odds are about the same as them just being ancient, you know, it's like yeah, 50, right. 50 there, but mm-hmm. what are the odds that he made these for his daughter? Mm-hmm. She didn't like them. They end up buried in the garden mm-hmm. and then. After unearthing them 20 years later, all this weird sh- happens. Mm-hmm. What are those odds, you know? Like, yeah. ooh, you know, I don't know. Which that, makes that's sort think, of the common denominator. Yeah, and like you said too, like the ones that he tried to, or the ones that he made later were like pretty crappy, didn't have the same quality. You know, mm-hmm. who knows if he, was, if he had access to the same kind of, there's a lot of variables here. Who knows if he had mm-hmm. the access to the same tools or, or quality of sandstone, like you said, or, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, maybe he's just the oldest heck. You know, if you asked, uh, you know, one of our grandfathers to do something, you know, chances are they're going to be like, I went on bed or like, here, hold <laughs> yeah. this screwdriver right here, you know? Yeah. Um, and so maybe the quality, maybe that's part of the reason. So there's a lot of factors, right? So who mm-hmm. knows if he's telling the truth. But what's interesting to me is that like after all of this, Apparently, Dr. Ross kind of continued to sort of express that she believed that they were ancient, or at least, at the very, very least, evil. Mm. And so there's this 
rumor and claim that came out in a book that basically said that they think that Dr. Ross thought that if, in fact, the heads were made by a modern-day person, Mm -hmm. that they were a product of a black magic cult given to the worship given to worship mm. ancient evil deities mm. and so that this energy this evil energy that followed them around was because of that so in other words regardless mm. of the mystery of whether or not they are ancient or more modern maybe perhaps that is the source yeah. of this uh this evil energy i mean i like it i mean one one thing that is interesting is like uh with it, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this before, but like, you know, this idea that there's so many accounts of like paranormal happenings happening around like courts. Apparently, it's sort of known to like, like hold vibration and hold, kind of like hold on to things. Sort of like, uh, I, I believe like the, even, I think the Chiranga stone, stone was. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Courts based too. Chiranga. Um, or it had the properties that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I wonder, to me, that's interesting. Like, I, I remember when I talked to Timothy Renner from, and I've said this before, on his podcast, Strange Familiars, about, like, the orbs and all the weird stuff I've seen around my house. Like, one of the first questions he asked is, like, well, were there any courts in the area? And I'm like, yeah, it's literally on a giant hill made of courts. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe, maybe these little heads like were able to like what you're saying like they were able to store information or whatever like the Churunga stone hold on man before I lose this thought yeah get in this this is so interesting to me okay what if man okay Mm -hmm. because I just the other day I think it may have been whenever I started to research this and then I saw this and I was like I don't want to get too deep on one side there are people that have talked about and written about how courts can store information yep and there's this idea that like basically or this theory that it can store information much like i mean just think um i mean it really is like super superman for lack of a better comparison and if you're not a superman fan or don't know what i'm talking about then i'll explain a little bit essentially imagine like a thumb drive or a floppy disk or whatever it is but instead of that it is just a piece of quartz that holds tons of information And I mean, like more than, you know, like we've got these external hard drives now that hold like, you know, 10 tetrabytes or whatever. Imagine Mm -hmm. like a small piece of crystal that can hold like billions and billions of pieces of information. Okay. Right. So there's that idea. What if, dude, what if there's a couple things I think that would be fun to think about is what if it's all true in this story? Okay. In other words, what if the dude really did innocently carve these for his daughter? His daughter didn't like him. She chucked him in the garden. Then, because they have this like quartz property, what if there's this other sort of undiscovered ability that quartz has that is some sort of like channeling mechanism mm. for spiritual things or whatever? So a focus item. A focus item. Man, dude, we do it every time. We, 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 we turn everything into Dungeons and Dragons, but, um, but you know what I'm saying? And so in other and words, like you live near that, 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 um, quartz outcrop or the mm-hmm. quartz hill and maybe that energy, I don't know, man. I don't know. No, I, no, no, no. I, I like where you're heading. I, I, uh, but I think we need to clarify like a focus item 
for anyone that cares in Dungeons and Dragons is like, say you're a wizard or a sorcerer, or any sort of magic user, you usually have the option of having like, whether it's a staff like Gandalf or a little like sundial, if you're like a, a druid or like some crystal or something where you focus your, your magic. So anytime you're casting a spell, you'll sort of hold that thing up yeah. and it'll sort of, it'll be channeled through that stone or staff or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that, like, the idea that, well, maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it is. Maybe the sandstone that was gathered by Desmond Craigie, and he did make them later, maybe that sandstone was from an area that, that you know, ancient, ancient druids or, or whatever would do these, you know, sort of pagan Celtic rituals or whatever. And maybe maybe it was already embedded in these stones and he just happened to grab the sandstone to make a cement mix to make these like little heads or whatever. Um, you know, and, and minerg- or energy is uh, it, it never, I just Sorry. said minergy. God, energy. Minergy. But, it, you know, it can't be created or destroyed. So it's like, obviously... If if this is true, if if in fact these, if in fact God Almighty, these courts do you know sort of hold on to things or sort of store energy, you know it would still be there, whether it's ground into like a cement mixture or taken out whole, you know stone tape, exactly, yeah. I mean, dude, I just don't even know. It, it continues to blow my mind. Ever since starting this podcast. All of the connectivity between all of these things is just mind-blowing. And perhaps we're connecting them on our own Mm -hmm. um, and finding the similarities between them all. But still, it's interesting that we end up talking about another phenomenon that sounds kind of familiar. Anyway, let me ask you this question, man. Where are they now? So that's sort of the problem. Nobody knows. My guess is that the Smithsonian had something to do with it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh god. Um, I imagine this like like this posh looking, like very smart dressed English gentleman is just like sitting, you know, it's nineteen seventy five or seventy seven or something. I think like seventy eight was the last year that it was He's just like drinking a cup of tea and it's like all of a sudden like his watch is like I thank you. You know, doing something weird. He's like, hmm? He like flips it open, he's like this is Agent Smith. And it's just <laughs> yeah, like, right. he, he's like the British Smithsonian's arm of, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I, uh, well, one of the interesting things, and again, I don't know, it, the research is hard on this topic because there's there's sort of multiple angles, you know, that, that people will have. I mean, much like us or, or you, the listener, we all have like different opinions on what we think these things could be. But it's it is kind of hard to find. Like I've heard that, I guess they were at, I, I, and I don't even know the last university that technically would have had them. But they, it's just said that they were like given to another man, and like you don't even have the name. Uh, and then there's some accounts where they say the man and the heads have completely disappeared, mm-hmm. which is what I love. Yeah. Although so I go did find something. Oh. That I think I want to save for the patrons, man. Mm. I really do. Okay. Uh, that like opens up this entire other thing 
that I stumbled upon. Haven't even told you about it yet. And Man, it's I'm just, psyched. It's wild. Okay, I'm excited. So what well, you're telling me is there's, they've vanished. Yeah, right. No one knows where they're at. The mystery lives. Yeah, that's what they say. Which, yeah. which is kind of weird because, like, to me, that's such an odd thing. I mean, I, and I get it. I get, like... It's a you little know, bit of a, it was all a dream kind of ending. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you've had a, the whole, it's like St. Elsewhere, like the 80s show. It's like, it was all like a dream in the mind of a 12-year-old boy. No, it's, it's, I just find it weird, like, and I, again, I know that it's possible as far as like cataloging and like these museums and like antiquities museums and stuff, but it's, the, these things were like such a big deal. There's like multiple, multiple, multiple papers you know that that cover this stuff and so especially in the area that they were totally widely known Mm -hmm. i mean even before they were given to the universities like you know i mean that's how dr ann ross even found out about them because it was in like newspaper articles and stuff Mm -hmm. so it is weird to me that it would oh uh it would go on to be mentioned in a linda godfrey book uh, hunting the american werewolf beast men in wisconsin and beyond by the way, Linda Godfrey's like a beast of Bray Road. She's yeah. she's a legend. She's, big time, big time. She's no longer with us, but she is a legend in the field. But she covered it as as well as Dude, she um, passed away. I think so. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think she passed away like last year. Dang. Uh, it's also mentioned in two articles of the Fortean Times, and one I was able to find, and this will be just before we go. I know we got to get out of here, but actually, uh, the Fortean Times they were able to actually interview Colin Robson, one of the original kids. It says that, like, so these are basically his questions. It says, uh, could you tell me a bit more about when your budgie died and buried him in the garden? And I think, is a budgie a bird or a dog? Hmm. I've never heard of that word. I haven't either until this. We'll say dog, but I have. I, oddly enough, I feel like it could be a bird. The question, he says, uh, I've read that you thought the heads had killed the budgie. Is that true? He said, yes, we did have a budgie that died, but we don't know if it was the heads uh, that caused it, as far as I remember. Uh, yes, we, we buried the budgie in the garden. I then went on to ask about the strange glowing bush, which had been reported in the garden. I wondered about the exact position of the bush and whether that related in any way to where the budgie had been buried. So he says, when you buried the budgie, it was, reco- it was reported that a glowing b- bush grew in the garden. Do you remember anything else about this? And do you believe it was the heads? He says, yes, he was buried in the garden. And yes, there was a strange small bush that grew in the corner of our backyard after finding the heads, but the bush grew in the exact place that the heads were unearthed. And yes, the bush used to have a strange glow at night, almost as if it was producing its own light, which is maybe my favorite part about the whole story. Yeah, indeed. The question, did the heads feel hot in your hands when you felt, when you held them? Uh, Colin says, no, the heads felt actually cold, if anything, but they did make your hands tingle after holding them for a while. Have you ever, which, wasn't that one of the things with the Chirunga stone? Yeah, I think so, man. Uh, Another question, have you experienced any other paranormal events at any other time in your life? Yes, I have had quite a few instances, and I do seem to have a sense to pick up presences. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's like... Man, the extent of a, a pretty small article, but uh, I think it's pretty cool that they were able to sort of track down like one of the original kids that found them. Yeah, man, that's incredible. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, this guy had no idea where they ended up either. One thing that I just thought of, I feel like, I feel like the Desmond Craigie character is a little weird in the fact that like, like, okay, so, you know, he lived at the house before he, he would have seen all the newspaper reports long before it would have gotten to Dr. Ann Ross yeah. His dad lived there up until the year prior to them moving, you know, the Robson family moving in the home. I feel like in a normal situation, that guy would have just shown up as soon as he read the paper and it started becoming like sort of buzzworthy. He would have showed up and like explained that to the family of being like, hey, I made these things instead of waiting until it goes on to Ann Ross, who writes about it in like national newspapers it kind of starts blowing up. It was on like the the nightly news several times. Like, it, I mean, it was a big deal over there. And so, I don't know. It, to me, that sheds a little doubt on, on on his claim that he made them just because it's like, okay, so now you want to come out like now that you live in the area. So obviously you would have heard the buzz yeah. about it, but you're, gonna, you're only going to come out and say you made the heads after their national news, you know? Mm. I don't know. There's There's just something weird about the fact that he wouldn't have he wouldn't have like communicated or showed up to the family, you know, that yeah. that now live in his old house. That's just it weird to me. Weird, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, pal, I uh I think that's about it as far as this free feed. Uh where can we be found? Well, you can find us on Instagram. Boy, you shocked mm-hmm. you uh, surprised Slipped me. With it that. On you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you want to interact interact with us on a more personal level, but also see like more of our sort of what we call episode artifacts where we dive further into like the sort of the visual part of mm-hmm. what we talk about on our episode, you can find us on Instagram at yep. you guessed it, that would be rad. You can also check out and please do check out our new website at www.thatwouldberadpodcast.com where you can listen to episodes directly from the site. You can give us a review straight from the site or on Apple and Spotify straight from our website. It'll take mm-hmm. you there. You can also leave us like a voice memo to either give us a scary story or an interesting story of your own or just oh, even yeah. say, hi, this is so-and-so from wherever you are in the world. Hey, man, you're doing great work. Uh, <laughs> if you if you don't mind, get out there and tell one single friend about the show. You know, we all have that one friend who's into weird stuff. And that one person in your life would probably dig the show because we are those people. Tell a friend, leave some five-star reviews, go buy some merch on our link tree on Instagram. If you do want to email us, you got something to say or talk to us about, shoot us a DM in our Instagram messages or uh, shoot it to that would be radpod at gmail.com. Wait, did you already say that? No. Okay, good. Any little bit helps as far as like spreading that word and leaving those reviews. They help us get in front of, you know, new ears. So uh, we thank you for it. But um, I guess that's about it, man. Got anything else? That's it. Cool, man. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it
clouds in a time where I just needed some sunshine. You were already dead for you became a ghost. You always said our future would be a parade of flowers, but now all that's left is a single rose. That's the way. I'm really gonna go for it, honey. Dude, that's one of my favorite. Which one? In vacation, they're like on the floor. Oh, yeah. At like mm-hmm. a hotel, and uh, they're under the covers, mm-hmm. whatever. And he's like, I'm really gonna go for it, honey. <laughs> Dude, that's. I mean, boy, when I was a kid, Beverly D'Angelo really did it for me in that, that first one. Real thick jaw. Okay, the shower singing, and it's like P. No, it's it's R. Isn't it it's R? R? Right? No, I think it's like PG thirteen. One of them is. I mean, it like full on shows her in the shower. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it after <laughs> we get done. All right. <laughs> oh man, none of the none of the stuff's gonna be spring, in there, right. Okay, sorry. Go heck. ahead. I don't know. In late spring, <clears throat> see, got me off the vibe, man. Hold on, can't waste time. In late spring of 1971, two brothers, Colin and Leslie Robinson, were playing in Hold the on. garden. Are you sure it's As, not Robson? You said I Robinson. Say? I just want to help. I just want to make sure. I just want to help. <laughs> oh man. Okay. In late spring, how many times? How many times am I going to say in late spring? <laughs> Well, you God. can say it as many I times mean, like, until this, you get it right. This, you know, like you prepare, you prepare a short mm. intro so that you can just yeah. get right to it. And this is what happens. I'm stuck on four <laughs> words here. All right. Robson. Oh, man, they don't, they just don't tell you about this on the main they episodes. Huh? All right. <laughs> 